Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Daily Delights podcast. This is your host, Chef Kristen, and today's subject matter will be harvest season. So a lot of people don't know what it is to harvest or, you know, what the season actually is. So just to kind of get a little bit into that, you know, this is a season in which there's a process of gathering, you know, all the ripe crop, all the ripe crops, I'm sorry, from the fields, which is harvesting, um, which is actually followed by reaping, which is the cutting of the grain or pulse from the harvest, typically using, um, it's called either a sith or a sickle, or sometimes they even call it a reaper. Um, So in layman's terms, basically it's, you know, like you reap what you sow. But the term harvest actually is derived from the old English words harvest, which means autumn. So when you think of harvest season or you want to know what harvest season is, think of actually autumn. So usually that falls between like August and the end of November, pretty much. You know, so just a few of the traditions that we actually have or you know come from harvest season that we actually celebrate or partake in this time of year is you know they have in the early days the festival they would have like a harvest festival and it was actually celebrated at the beginning of the season which was in august and one of the main events was called uh llamas which means loaf of mass so basically the farmers would make loaves of bread from fresh wheat and crop that were um and they would give it to the local churches and they would actually kind of use the bread as the communion bread so it would be a whole you know service that they would do and partake in where they would you know thank god for that year's harvest you know and then early english settlers took the idea of harvest um and the Thanksgiving dinner and brought it to North America, which, as we know, the most famous Thanksgiving dinner was held by the pilgrims in 19. I'm sorry, not 19 anything <laughs> in 1621. And unfortunately, we all know how that happened, how that ended when the pilgrims had Thanksgiving with the Native Americans. Uh, nowadays, traditionally, it's held at the end of the harvest Thanksgiving dinner is. You know, and then until the 20th century, most farmers celebrated um, the end of the harvest with a big meal, again, or a supper, which was uh, called the Harvest Supper. Now, again, it's known as Thanksgiving dinner, which much like in the past, it had, you know, a gathering of family and friends. I know some people, they like the new term is Friendsgiving, where... You might have, you know, someone might live somewhere where they don't have much family. So instead of it being just a family event, it's literally just all of their close friends who have become their family. And then vice versa. Some people don't, you know what I'm saying? They choose to do a family, uh, a Friendsgiving or a separate one for their family as well. So, you know, I guess it's kind of just what whatever it is you're into or whatever it is, you know, your traditions are. Because as we know, it's not at all, it doesn't, I'm not going to say it's not at all, but most people don't celebrate Thanksgiving or the harvest season as it was initially. And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, initially it was more of a religious, um, 
event or season that they would take part in where it was a whole big dissertation as far as you would have the harvest then you would have the reaping of the uh of your harvest and you know again they would have the services you know thank god for everything that was you know the harvest whether they had a good harvest a bad harvest i mean i'm sorry a good good reaping or a bad reaping whether um literally they had a lot of land not a lot of land it was more or less of a religious aspect to things as opposed to now it being more so secular so let's kind of dive right into you know pumpkin time we definitely know that there's an obsession in america with pumpkin during the harvest season or the autumn you know autumn time so for those who don't know literally um just kind of a I guess background history with uh, pumpkin and how it actually came to be. So, you know, with pumpkins, I guess the more mainstream use of pumpkins or the introduction of the mainstream use of pumpkins began uh, during the colonial time period where, you know, and it all basically started when colonists couldn't find yeast to create beer. Like, can you imagine like somebody randomly picked up a pumpkin and said, hey, let's kind of use this. Let's see if this works. All because they couldn't find yeast or didn't have yeast available for to create beer. So, you know, again, they they resolved the issue with using fermented pumpkin as a substitute. It was literally pure happenstance. Like before then, nobody ever really like you won't find too many recipes or too many uses for uses. I'm sorry for pumpkin in that time period because it was just kind of like a hey it's there we don't need it it's ugly I mean it really was kind of uses it was literally like to them was a gourd like it was it had no significance they didn't really like it my fathers they didn't they didn't have any meaning for it so again it wasn't until the colonists was literally looking to find yeast to be able to brew beer where they kind of was like okay we're out of things let's kind of try to fee- see what we can use to be a substitute only to end up using pumpkin as a substitute or fermented pumpkin as a substitute to be able to brew beer it's a little weird to me but um it literally started to gain its popularity during the american industrial revolution as a nostalgic necessity so you know i guess somebody decided then hey like what about the use of pumpkin like haven't used pumpkin in a while haven't thought about pumpkin in a while let's try to start using this in some things so i mean literally they started using it obviously as desserts where you know you have pumpkin pie um and then now into today where we put it in lattes it's in cookies it's in bread it's in sausages and pasta i mean like of course you know you have pumpkin spice flavored any and everything during this time of year which i literally am a pumpkin spice lover like i I do the lattes i do the you know pumpkin spice i mean the pumpkin ravioli pasta and all that kind of stuff this time of year like i'm into pumpkin i love sweet potato don't get me wrong but I definitely am like one of those people that happen on the pumpkin bandwagon during autumn. Which brings us into butternut squash, which is the new rival to the pumpkin. Um, and so a lot of people are like, how or why or, you know, within, I guess, the past maybe 
five or six years, like, I'll go into stores or even the market or whatever, and I kind of start to know. Even if you go into, like, Panera, you know, it's, it's seasonal now. They have every fall or every autumn, whatever label you want to put on it, there's literally a butternut squash soup that they do. Like, you're kind of starting to find little subtle nuances of butternut squash any and everywhere and that's because literally it's hearty and it has both a sweet and savory kind of taste to it um i guess or not organically but like i guess that's just its flavor profile is what i'm trying to say um so you know like it's cousin pumpkin they're all in the same family they're all squash pumpkin is a squash butternut is obviously a squash you know it's used in many different ways again from pasta to salads to soups uh literally people have put uh squash in their macaroni and cheese all kinds of stuff um butternut squash is actually grown on a vine and um again it has like this sweet and nutty like taste so again like i said with just like with pumpkin it can go either sweet or savory when you're using it to cook uh butternut squash is also known as butternut pumpkin or grandma squash so just a little you know fun fact about that which brings us into thanksgiving so again we said that the very first thanksgiving i guess that has been noticed historically was in 1621 with the pilgrims and the native americans however modern day thanksgiving is a national holiday and it's actually celebrated in not just the united states but also in canada some caribbean islands and liberia which i had no clue i knew that it was celebrated in canada and the u.s but i did not know that it was celebrated in some you know caribbean islands and it's actually celebrated all the way over in liberia so you know in Canada, it's actually celebrated on the second Monday in October. Thanksgiving in the U.S. is actually celebrated, as we all know, on the fourth Thursday in November. And then as for Liberia and, you know, the Caribbean islands that celebrate Thanksgiving, it usually falls somewhere between that second Monday in October and then the fourth Thursday of November. So it's kind of cool to know that you know it's not just the american or canadian holiday so um again just as we discussed before thanksgiving has historical roots as a religious as well as a cultural um tradition but again it's now for a long time been celebrated as more so of a secular holiday you know what traditions do you, you know, partake in as far as Thanksgiving with your family and friends? You know, with my family or my Thanksgiving, it's usually family and friends um, that participate. And we don't necessarily do the whole, you know, let's do the decorations, let's set up the the, the table, you know, whatever. We all just kind of, I don't know, because in years past, we've done like a potluck with where each each household brings either a side dish or a main entree, and then we just kind of do it all family style there, or I've done the Thanksgiving dinner for my whole entire complete family, as well as friends and in-laws, that type of thing, and then like this year, I'm doing all of the meats, and my aunt is actually doing all of the sides, and then this year, we're not doing necessarily a traditional Thanksgiving meal, Um, we're actually kind of doing... (laughs) literally ironically um more so of a caribbean type of 
flavored or well yeah flavored type of menu so it's gonna be um i'm doing a jerk rub on the turkey and i'm actually doing a turkey breast as opposed to a whole turkey because for years in my family nobody really eats the dark meat the whole turkey it just kind of goes to waste because it's like everybody's kind of picking everybody really only wants the turkey breast i know whole turkeys to purchase one of those is cheaper than to actually just get the turkey breast but it's like it's the balance would you rather waste the, the dark meat that you know nobody's gonna eat or would i rather just get the turkey breast i know everybody's gonna eat it and keep it moving so i think i'm actually gonna do a honey jerked turkey breast i'm gonna do um some ribs i'm actually gonna do a butternut squash soup because i actually do love butternut squash as well and i'm gonna do i do one of my recipes is actually like a pina colada shrimp so it's no alcohol involved but I do like coconut cream and pineapple juice and I kind of cook the shrimp and the pineapple juice and some other stuff. I'm not going to give you all my whole recipe as of yet and um, kind of let that all reduce. And then I use the coconut cream It's more so of a glaze and kind of let that so- let it all reduce with the pineapple juice and all that at the end. And then I do like a mango um, salsa, and, you know, for the garnish and all that good stuff. Um, so... Yeah, and then my aunt's going to do, like, the macaroni and cheese, and we're going to have some greens, going to have green beans, all that kind of stuff. She's going to do, like, a sweet potato. It's not necessarily a sweet potato casserole, but it's sweet potatoes. I'm going to have, like, the marshmallows and the pecans and the cinnamon and sugar, all that good stuff. Um, So, yeah, and again, this year, it'll be a smaller group than what it normally is for us for Thanksgiving. But, again, like I said, our menu's a little bit different than what we normally do this year. It's a little bit of a smaller crowd this year. So, and then it, uh, even with how the meal is actually being prepared, it's going to be a little bit different for us as well. So, we're actually kind of breaking away from what our our family and our um, traditional Thanksgiving is. And then, just to kind of share a fun fact with you all that I am literally just learning as of, like, in a period of 24 hours. There was a chef... Chef de Cuisine, actually, known by the name of Chef James Hemmings, which was an um, American mixed-race slave who was owned and later freed by Thomas Jefferson. He was actually the brother of Sally Hemmings and the half-sibling of Jefferson's wife, Martha. If you don't know, I guess, the background history or significance of those names obviously thomas jefferson was one of the founding fathers as well as a former president and then his wife was martha jefferson who as of late we have found out that jefferson had a mistress by the name of sally hemmings so that in and of itself is actually a pretty interesting story. And if you want to learn more about it, it's stuff all over the web. You could definitely just Google Sally Hemings and find out a lot about it. There was actually years ago, I remember as a child watching it, um, a movie was called the Sally Hemings movie. And I think it was either on like CBS or NBC, something at the store, uh, where they kind of gave the actual back history between the relationship and how it actually even came about between Sally Hemings and her being his slave and mistress of Thomas Jefferson. So I digress and back to what I was saying. So James Hemings is actually the brother of Sally Hemings and then the half brother of Jefferson's wife, Martha. So 
Sally Hemings and James Hemings had the same mother, but then James Hemings and Martha Jefferson actually had the same father. So, um, James Hemings was actually most famous for introducing French cuisine to American culture, you know, and things such as, or like recipes such as, you know, European macaroni and cheese, creme brulee, ice cream. None of those things were really known in America at all until actually James Hemings brought what he learned over to America. And so, you know, he's actually a pretty remarkable man. He studied in France with um, Thomas Jefferson. So when Jefferson went over to France and kind of was a... He was like the liaison or representative for America. He took James Hemings with him. And James Hemings' job over there was pretty much... Basically, he was like his valet slash chauffeur. He actually had a paid salary because then... And, you know, as we know, hence the Statue of Liberty, all that good stuff. um, France did not allow slavery. So, technically, while over in France... James Hemings was technically a free man and so he actually I guess in his spare time literally took up time with chefs and just different Frenchmen and actually learned how to actually make their cuisine and so when they returned to America or when he returned to America with Jefferson Thomas Jefferson in 1789 he actually brought back with him 86 crates of utensils equipment wines cheeses and olive oil and a bunch of other ingredients that were not found in America at all. Um, and so literally once Jefferson, well, with during this time frame, time, years had gone by, time had gone by and Thomas Jefferson had actually freed, um, James Hemings. And so during his pre- presidency, when he became pre- the president, he asked James to actually be his chef. However, James was not interested, and so literally uh, Thomas Jefferson had hired a chef and brought him over from France and, you know, had him cooking at his home at Monticello. And so literally, which, as we know, is in Virginia, and uh, literally he asked uh, James if he would consider being at least like the chef de cuisine. So literally that's what he did. He was the chef de cuisine to... uh, Thomas Jefferson's hired chef. Uh, So literally he's written so many recipes and done so many things. And again, he was like literally the person solely responsible for bringing over French cuisine to America. And so um, literally he was, he spoke more fluent French than Thomas Jefferson. He's actually said to um, have created and been the first person to make baked Alaska which I didn't know either uh literally he ended up dying in Baltimore that's the same summer that he was the chef de cuisine for Thomas Jefferson he ended up taking a job in Baltimore and long story short ended up committing suicide however the reason why it's taken so long for people to find out that he's created things like baked Alaska and you know he's done so much as far as helping America out in a in the culinary world or culinary aspect of things is because literally when he died his cousin 
um, or actually she was the cousin of Thomas Jefferson, I believe. When he died, she literally took his recipes from Monticello, created a book in the 1800s. So she wrote this book in the 1800s after literally going to Monticello and stealing credit for his recipes and a lot of his work and again got this book published and so for years a lot of people never really knew where or how these things even came about who invented some of these recipes how were things introduced to America so I mean literally he was credited for introducing again so many things like ice cream Literally, French fries. Well, you know, in France, they're palm free, but literally, he helped bring the idea from France and introduced it over to America. So, you know, think about the millions of French fries that Americans eat literally per year. Like, had it not been introduced by James Hemings, who knows if we would re- really, you know, even know anything about that or how late into American history it would have been brought in. So that's just pretty cool to me. It's really a remarkable and interesting story. And, you know, it's just cool. It's just a fun fact to know. So, like, if you want to know more about James Hemings, literally, you can Google him. You can Google him as just James Hemings or even Chef James Hemings. And I mean, to know that, you know, a former slave was responsible and is credited for introducing French cuisine to America. So, you know, just bringing things to a close. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning into our podcast. You know, feel free to follow us on Instagram at Our Daily Delights. That is at O-U-R-D-A-I-L-Y-D-E-L-I-G-H-T-S. Also, you can listen on any podcast platform um, and just literally search Daily Delights. Or you can listen on the web at anchor.fm backslash chef hyphen Kristen. So that is anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M backslash C-H-E-F hyphen K-H-R-Y-S-T-Y-N. Feel free to share our podcast on all of your social media accounts and to share with your family and friends, definitely. Uh, One of my other goals for this podcast is to be able to create a network where though we can literally engage with one another, whether it be from comments that are left on the podcast or literally um having some of you all on as special guests and doing you know interviews with you all on the different podcasts so like just share like you never know like they say it's only six degrees of separation so you never know you know who could be interested or even available to be able to share some information that you might need or want to know or never even thought about you know that could be shared on this podcast so you know feel free to share and definitely tune in every tuesday at 5 30 p.m and that is eastern standard time to hear a new episode thank you very much as always for listening thank you for our new listeners for our weekly and loyal listeners i appreciate it you all have a great week